The following podcast is a Next Level production. Hi there, this is Jeff Peterson, and you're listening to the Wilhelm Podcast. In your pants. <laughs> oh boy. Here's Ben Beck. Mm. Welcome to Wilhelm, everybody, and another spotlight edition of the uh, of the show. I'm your host Ben Beck, and let me tell you, I'm I'm so excited for my guest this time around. He's been somebody who's been on my radar to actually have as a guest on this program, and I'm I'm so excited that it, it's it's finally happening. He's an actor and a comedian who you would know from shows like Family Guy and American Dad, as well as a number of other shows and video games. But most notably, you would know him as the voice of Jeff Peterson from the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Please welcome my guest, Josh Robert Thompson. Wow, Josh. what an intro, man! Hey, Ben, how are you, man? Good. I kind of pride myself on my intros. I try. It's really good. Yeah, I need you to just follow me around all day and just introduce me to people. That would be nice before I go I'll, into a room. <laughs> that um, I'll I'll do it. Just I'll I'll give you a writer of things that I need and sure. Um, oh wow, know, we'll, wow, okay, we'll make it happen. Okay, <laughs> I mean right. it's well, nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing crazy like a bowl full of green M and M's or anything like that. All right, you know it's not so the you, Mick uh, well, that's okay then. I can afford that. I can afford that. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, good to be here, man. I, I mean, I love the title of your show. Uh, when I, when we were emailing each other, I knew right away what it was, you know, um, mm -hmm. wh why did you, why is it called, uh, is it about film? The will, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know what this show is. <laughs> so it, that's, that's, uh, that's all right. I mean, we're so the, the podcast itself kind of has like two forms. Um, I have, so a, a little bit of a backstory. I had a podcast before called The Spotlight, and it was basically just celebrity okay. interviews. And then I created another podcast, which was Wilhelm, and which it's basically me and friends or other podcasters and sometimes even celebrity guests come on. And I pick a topic and we each list like our top five for that topic. Okay. Um, you you know, you. we've done top five favorite and they're top five favorites. So it's it's all a matter of opinion. They could be absolutely right. horrible movies, but we could love them and they'll make our top five. Um, right. okay. You know, we've done John Cusack movies, car chases, things like that. And then it got to a point where I was like, well, most of my guests on the spotlight are entertainment industry. They're television and movies and things like that. Why not combine the two? And that's what I did. So now okay. all my interviews and conversations are part of Wilhelm. Uh, and to answer your question about the title, Basically, you know, the Wilhelm scream is so well known and it's in so many things. I realized I'm like, well, this is one thing that ties so many movies and shows together. Yeah. And yeah. then I did my I did my research. There were no other podcasts with the title. I was like, that's it. That's perfect. <laughs> you got That's the first thing you got to do when you start a podcast. You got to make sure nobody else has the same title. Because then you'll yeah. see there's like 40 people that have the same title. Like, ah, shit. Well, we yeah. got to start over again. 
exactly. Gonna, that guy with five views is going to come after me. They, they get crazy, those people. But yeah, Wilhelm. In fact, I was just rewatching uh, Willow the other day oh, in uh, preparation for that for that show that I'll begrudgingly watch. But um, boy, that's a great film. It is indeed. And the Wilhelm is, you know, all over that thing. So. Yeah. I mean, it's it's in everything. It's in, you know, Star Wars and New Hope. I mean, it's yeah. it's. It's everywhere. And ever since I created the podcast and used the title, I'm constantly getting messages like, hey, did you watch this movie? There's a Wilhelm right. scream in it. I'm like, okay. Well, like, well, it's a good title too, because it it, it also um you know it it reaches people who are in the know. You know, if you're mm -hmm. if you're a real film enthusiast, you know what the Wilhelm screen is. So it kind of weeds everybody else out, is yeah. what I'm saying. Exactly. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I appreciate the fact that when you when you did, you sent me the email back and you were like, I love the title of the podcast. I was like, all right, hopefully he's in now. Yeah, I had to make sure. I was like, is this just some guy's name, Wilhelm? <laughs> is this well, like a is this a German? Is this a Nazi podcast? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'll do it. Well, when you look at the the logo of the podcast too, you know, one of the things it created, it's the you know, the warning sign with a man falling. Yes. And yes. I've had so many people say, like, I, I can hear your logo. Right. Yeah. And, and I was like, well, then that's that's perfect. Um, I agree. I agree to do shows. I don't know. And when I say I didn't know what the show was, that's out of that's that's a good thing. I like to just say, sure, let's do that show. I mean, you reached out and uh, I think were you in a. I was in a Facebook live. You were in a Facebook live yeah. or, or YouTube live or Facebook live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I just appreciate what people ask. So I've done I've done a bunch of shows in the last year, people either starting their show, just starting their podcast or people like yourself that have been around for a while, because um, it's interesting to hear everybody's perspective. And, uh, you know, I think I'm on like four thousand shows. So <laughs> this is four thousand one. Glad to be here. Yeah, I, I'm, I was one of the things I, I, I did enjoy about that Facebook live was the fact that I did pose that question in the Facebook live in the chat and you did see it, you did answer it and you, you know, you yeah. told me how to get in touch. And of course, and that's one of the things that already makes you one of my favorite people is because you know, as well as I do, you know, I, the guests that I've had on this podcast, you know, I mentioned before we started recording, I've had over 200 people on this podcast. Some I've reached out to directly. Others mm -hmm. I've gone through agencies and publicists and things like right. that. And publicists, like some of them are great, and a lot of them are just like either ghost you completely or like they're not interested. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that is true. I don't know. I guess well, it's because I I come from um, public access or local TV background. You know, that's mm -hmm. that's that's how I started in all of this, just doing my own show. Well, in, as a kid, doing shows in my basement, and then later doing public access TV uh, here in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, local TV has been around since the beginning of television and it's part of the history of television. And I think these kind of shows are just an extension of that. I mean, when YouTube came along, I still like a studio. I still like being in a physical space with lights and, you know, a crew and all of that. But like what you're doing and what so many others are doing is just an extension of that. So I'm always happy to be a part of that stuff because I think it's important yeah. to keep it going. Yeah, and, and and like and like I said, I appreciate you, you know, actually answering and willing to do this. Sure, man. Uh, I mean, I might regret it, but we'll see. Well, well, let's let's make sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to start with is, you know, following you on Facebook. I want to say I was. I know the holidays already passed. Um, mm. I am incredibly jealous of your Halloween setup. The in particular, cool. the old zenith in the window playing yeah. the movies. 
Well, the Zenith was a new addition this year. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I love Halloween. I grew up in Cleveland. Um, you know, we live down the street from that one guy. There's always that one guy on everybody's street who goes all out and puts everything on the lawn and scares the shit out of you. And it's the house that, you know, you, you get up the courage to go to the front door, right? We, you've mm-hmm. probably had that. I don't know. Where, where did you grow up? What, I mean, I've been pretty much around the Philadelphia my entire life. I grew up in Jersey for up until I was maybe 17 or 18 years old. And then I moved into Pennsylvania. So, but I've been centrally around Philadelphia for most of my life. And you're right. There's always that one neighbor that has those houses set up. And they're they're the one neighbor that either half the neighborhood can't wait to see what they're going to do this year. And the other half of the neighborhood is, well, you need to avoid that house while we're trick or treating this year. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's and it's scary. You know, it can be very scary. And it would always scare the shit out of me. And I'd always beg my mom to take me down to that house when you know I was very little and trick or treating. Of course, I would cry as soon as I got there. <laughs> but as I as I got older, it was uh, exciting, and it was exciting to see uh, how the uh, animatronics worked, uh, the different monsters that moved, and to Look at the lighting. How do they light it? And what are these fog machines? And so, you know, I became that guy. It's actually, I've been doing it in this neighborhood here in LA for for 10 years now. It's much cooler now because I have a girlfriend, so it's not as creepy. You know, when you're by yourself, it's like, well, there's that old Josh down the street doing it by himself again. I don't know if you kids should go over there, but but this year um, I wanted to have an old you know, tube TV, an old CRT, you know, just a, a classic TV set in the window. We have this bay window in the front of the house. And I've always wanted to have it just sitting there playing old black and white movie trailers or, you know, horror films. And that's exactly what we did this year. I found, you know, eBay, of course, is an amazing thing. And I found the Zenith 1988 faux wood paneled 26 inch, you know, monstrosity, a Zenith color TV, which still works considering what a piece of shit Zenith was about that time. But, um, (laughs) and it's got the Zenith logo, man. I found a remote for it on eBay. Thing works fantastic. I fixed it up a little bit, put it in the window and, uh, it looked like basically it looked like, uh, Frankenstein's monster, which I have a big sort of animatronic of him is holding the TV and you and you walk by and watch, you know, what's playing. So I did that all month long, man. It was really, really fun. That's it's such a brilliant idea, too, because I like I know where I live in, in my neighborhood. Now I live in in a duplex and, you know, where there's another duplex next to me and we share a driveway and right. you know, that that kind of a neighborhood. And I've always been the kind of person who I now I have like an outdoor screen, like a huge nine by 12 outdoor screen and a projector for it. And like speakers from when I used to DJ and I've always wanted to set that up in the driveway. Yeah. To play, you know, for mainly family friendly movies for when the kids are coming around in Halloween, like home right. focus and things like that. Right. But we just never get the traffic in this area to make it worthwhile to do yeah. it. Yeah. And then, I see on your Facebook page, you know, you doing this. I'm like, well, that's just fucking brilliant. Now you should do it, man. Cause we, we hardly have anybody come by here either. I mean, it's, it's more for us. It's really mm-hmm. more for me. It's just, I, I just wanted to see if I could pull it off and man, it looks so cool. Cause it's they have like, uh, I also built uh, a Jason Voorhees this year. They have like an old prop spirit, Halloween m- motionless zombie with the cheap wireframe body. And I just, you know, he was fine, but I thought let's, 
let's track down the Jason Voorhees hockey mask. So I found a really nice one again on eBay that was from like, you know, Friday the 13th, the final chapter had like the ax mark in it and it was all <laughs> bloodied and it looked really good. The guy had actually painted it and redone it and did a great job. So I found that put some padding in the shoulders and now you got Jason Voorhees and then you have pinhead from Hellraiser in the other window. And then you got, you know, Frankie there with the TV and, uh, but the people that the people that do come by really appreciate it. In fact, a lot of the kids on the neighborhood have now, you know, moved away. They've gone to college, but but they were kids and grew up seeing this display. So that that kind of stuff really means a lot to me. So I, I sort of extend that to my own work and any kind of art. If if just like two or three people dig it, yeah. that's good enough for me, you know. Yeah. I don't cool. usually I don't usually do this during interviews. So I'm going to do this anyway, just because I feel like you would appreciate it. Um, yeah. So you mentioned the Jason Voorhees mask. I, I worked a show down in Atlanta in March uh, where I was the programming director for a convention. And part of that was going around to all the different vendors and like asking for things that if they would be willing to give us things to give away, you know, during yeah. panels and things like that to make it more audience interactive. One of the guys that was there actually gave me this and said, this is not to give away. This is for you. But he gave me this. Oh, cool. That's great, yeah. man. I mean, it's smaller. It's not face size. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a little. little that's a that's kid size, Jason. Yes. Maybe exactly. that's, yeah, that's when much. Jason started out, you know, even though technically <laughs> Jason died in the first film. But let's not worry about that. Somehow he yeah. was back for part two. Yeah, this is. You know? this is, is it really Pamela Jason? Was yeah, maybe Pamela would. <laughs> she, Pamela Voorhees would put that on little Jason when he was a kid, and that's why he ended exactly. up that way. So that really, it's unfair of her to kill all those. She shouldn't have killed all those camp counselors. It was kind of her fault. She raised him like that. It's very sad. <laughs> and and you I know. know, like this, I I know they just announced. Like Peacock just announced that they're going to be doing a, a Camp Crystal Lake television series. That's going to be, Ugh. you know, I don't know how that's going to be prequel, because apparently prequel. it's supposed to be a prequel. And yeah. I tell people, I'm like, well. Freddie or Jason didn't come about until the second movie because the killer was Pamela. So is Pamela yeah. going to be the killer in the prequel? Like, how is this going to work? So, I don't well, know. it could be interesting. I, I do like I do love these horror movies. I mean, I love the like the Halloween series because I love how many how many timelines there are. But that's kind of the fun of the whole thing mm -hmm. is that, you know, I think the audience, certainly the diehard fans of those series and Friday the 13th, we just kind of come to accept that, you know. Well, this is just how it is. I mean, Jason went to space and, you know, uh, you know, Michael Myers has been hacked and beat up and killed so many times. At one point, what he had like a, you know, a mystical rune, the, the mark of thorn <laughs> on his, you know, I loved all that stuff, you know. So I don't know. But I, I mean, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with that, because they did that with um, with uh, Psycho, didn't they? They did that really good prequel series about yeah. Bates and his mother, you know, so. I don't know, but I, how are they going to handle Friday the 13th? Because let's be honest. I mean, Jason was, um, you know, I don't know that. They, can they depict somebody like that? That, um, you know, is, uh, I don't know. Jason kind of was mutated and, and had, uh, it was almost like they were making fun of him because he had certain developmental issues. You know how people are now. So they're going to go, well, you know, it's not his fault that he's murdering people. I don't know. I'm going to yeah, be very curious to see how they handle It'll be interesting to see how the PC police come about, come out yeah. in uh, in regards to some of the things that they do. Yeah, um, I just go yeah, for it. Well, we'll see. Peacock, man. And I, 
And I'm a fan of those movies too. I mean, some of those movies yeah. are absolutely horrendous, but they have some of my favorite scenes, even though the yeah. movies are bad. Like, like Jason takes Manhattan is, I mean, there are two scenes in that movie. I, that movie is obviously not great, but it's, there are two right. scenes in that movie. The scene where he just lifts the mask to show the guys that are ready to jump him and they just run away. That's and then, great. Yeah. Know, and then the other scene where like the dude's boxing him on the roof and the guy gives him one shot and he yeah. just pops his yeah, head. Yeah, knocks his head right off. I remember seeing that with my buddy. Uh we we my a couple of friends, we we piled in the back of somebody's dad's truck. You know, this was I mean, that movie came out in uh was that eighty-nine, I think Jason takes Manhattan. 88 or 89 and I was in junior high so we, we couldn't drive so we drove we drove down there dropped us off at the local mall in in Parma Ohio suburb of Cleveland and we went to the General Cinemas Theater and we saw that movie and we were just elated it's a very boring film until they get to Manhattan I mean there's mm -hmm. nothing happening they're like on a boat for most of that movie which makes no sense but anyway the punching off of the head scene elicited cheers in the theater very exciting <laughs> I'm sure it know. did again it's really one of my favorite film. scenes from a bad oh, it's movie brilliant it's brilliant um we talked a little bit about this before we started recording and anybody who's just listening to the audio version of this uh i urge you to check out the video on youtube so you can see this but you have a massive blu-ray collection behind you that i think you I said do. is mostly horror yeah, mostly horror. I would well horror movies and science fiction. A lot of science fiction stuff in there. Um, a lot of it is from you know. There's there's so many great companies now that that restore and put out mm -hmm. all of these. You know, a lot of these films that we thought were lost forever. A lot of them are Italian slasher or cannibal or zombie movies that you know were supposedly banned. They're all back there. They're all sitting back there. <laughs> you know, companies like uh, Severin Films and. Shout Factory or Scream Factory. Yeah. But Severin, man, they're putting out some incredible box sets of uh, folk horror films. And uh, I've got a box set called um, Nasty Habits, which are which are the nun, the nun exploitation movies, which are all about nuns oh that are either possessed by Satan and get into all kinds of fun stuff. So that stuff's amazing. And it's really nice that there's companies preserving these things. And I'm one of the sickos that, you know, buys that stuff. So. Hey, I mean, Guilty. somebody out there, I mean, as long as somebody will buy it, they're always going to keep doing it. And I, yeah. I find that great. I mean, I know one of the films that recently was just restored and released when they, I, and it was a movie I had never even heard of, was when they did uh, uh, The Carnival from, um, oh, uh, not Carpenter. Why can't I think, man, uh, Night, Night of the Living Dead. Um, oh, oh, from George Romero. George Romero. I, I don't know why the name was blanking on me. Yeah. Well, no, that there really was a. Creepy... It was, was it a documentary? I think there was a film it was like with a like. Fake... A... Yeah. Yeah. About the elderly. Remember. It was about the elderly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. And, and that was one that when that came out, I was like, okay, well, I need to see this. And yeah, and it's one of those things they just find. And, you know, I think a lot of times they just sit on this stuff for a long time and go, hey, we just found this. And, um, but. It's exciting for for fans like us, uh, mm -hmm. things like that that come out. I mean, the the Friday the we talk about Friday the Thirteenth. The Friday the Thirteenth box set that uh, Shout Factory put out is unbelievable. Gorgeous artwork has every single Friday the Thirteenth movie, even the, the remake. It's got them all, and and three D and Friday the Thirteenth Part Three three D is in proper three D now. You don't have to wear the the paper. 
you know, the, the anaglyph, oh, nice. uh, red and blue. And it still looks as terrible as it did back then, but, um, <laughs> but not, but less terrible. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a completionist when it comes to that too. Like I most of the movies that yeah. I own are digital now, not Blu-ray. Um I did have a right. massive DVD collection at one time and I kind of I because I kind of had to pare it down and and I yeah. went digital with most of my stuff now. But I'm a completionist in that if I own like five of the movies in the set it doesn't matter how many more come after that. I kind of have to have them. Um, yeah, it is a the problem. Hell, the Hellraiser series is like that. They, you know. Oh wow! Uh, you went. You got them all. I have them all. Um, wow. All the Tremors movies, Child's Play, yeah. like all like. If one, if I have one, I have to have them all. Well, yeah, Child's so. Play is great too. Those are all consistently great. Uh, I think Chucky uh, is one of the few horror characters that has evolved in a really interesting and way natural way that just makes sense for the character. The new series is fantastic. And I haven't seen it yet. I oh, want it's to really know. good. Yeah. It's very clever and inventive and, and, you know, and it, and it tackles modern issues without being preachy. I think that's one of the problems I have with a lot of films now is they wear their, their message, you know, on their sleeve. And it's like, yeah, you can just tell a story without, you know, having to, you know, beat everybody over the head with things. And that's what yeah. I, and that's what I like about the Chucky series in particular. It's really well done. Um, yeah. Don Mancini's great. I think he's, uh, he's written all of them. And, uh, and that's also unusual too, to have the same person being the creative force behind every single one of those things. I think Phantasm is like that too. Don Coscarelli's Phantasm series, which is so good. The, the very last one was so emotionally moving surprisingly and they got most of the cast back for that so that's another example anyway i could go on all day and i will and i might we're gonna be here oh, for six hours folks I, <laughs> well i mean and that's a, that's the beautiful thing about this too is that i'm kind of hoping that maybe our conversation will lead you to maybe potentially coming back to do one of the top five episodes i'd love it yeah of of a horror series or something like that where we Hell yeah you know, we talk about a horror topic and we pick a top five. So I would love I that. think so. I'm very passionate about it. I mean, like I, I love Rob Zombie. I love, I love his, just the, his, his aesthetic as a creative person. I love that. He's, you know, he's a musician and then he's also a painter and then he's also a really great filmmaker. And, uh, we were just, my girlfriend and I were just watching all the Halloween movies as we do every year around Halloween. And we got to Halloween two, Rob hmm. Zombie's Halloween two, And, you know, I really love that film. I know it was very controversial when it came out. It should have done way better. It's a far more interesting film than people gave it credit for. It is fully his own vision, but God, it's, it's one of the more original. It is one of the more original Halloween films since the first one in Halloween three. I, I got to give him that. It's uh, yeah, very interesting. I, Halloween, Halloween three is another one too. Like season of the witch is yeah. one of those ones that's very, hit or miss with people i know people that absolutely love that movie and i know people that are on the opposite side of the fence and just think like yeah. why did they even do this and well it's I, brilliant. I, <laughs> well we share a difference of opinion on that one so <laughs> halloween well two, i think Rob, they, they shouldn't have called it halloween three they shouldn't have called it halloween three but you know anyway. i mean i i do Sorry. get the whole backstory behind it is that it, carpenter initially wanted it to be an anthology yeah. so they, they get right. away from michael myers and then they went back yeah. to it I, I get the backstory behind it and I appreciate it. I just was not a fan of, of yeah, that. Yeah. Like, and, and Rob Zombie's Halloween too. It's been so long since I've seen it. I really can't make any judgment calls. It's amazing, all I, man. All I can say is that Halloween ends. Uh, the, the latest one, 
it, it, that was a movie, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, you know, I try I to find the fan. good in everything. Yeah, I wasn't a fan either. Um, I really appreciated what they were doing with Halloween Ends. I really, I really did. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I wish you had sort of told everybody that. Um, it was an interesting premise, and it was an interesting way to go. A really terrible opening uh, sequence, which... <laughs> Anyway, I I get it. And it's great. And I I mean, it's a great idea, uh, but really sad to see uh, an old and, um, you know, withered Michael Myers hobbling around underneath the city. They, they, They literally physically have evil just below the surface of the city. Anyway, Halloween ends. Check it out on Peacock, everybody. There we go. Check it out. Exactly. It's on Peacock. Um, let's Man. switch gears because you're right. Sure. I could talk. I could talk horror movies with you yeah. pretty much all day, and I'll have you back on, and we'll absolutely do that, and we'll dive. Uh, okay, got it. A, a little deeper into that stuff. Um, I want to get the late late show stuff out of the way because I, I know okay. I'm I'm a fan of it. I know other people are going to tune in because they're a fan of it too. Yeah, of course. Ten ten years on the late late show with Craig <clears> Ferguson <throat> as Jess, the voice of Jeff Peterson. How how right. did that come about? I mean, how did you get started with the Late Late Show? Was how did how did the idea of Jeff come along? Like how how did all of that get started? Well, well, we go back to public access. I was doing, um, you know, I was just doing one of my public access shows. Uh, by then, we we started in Chino, California, which was right near the men's prison out in the middle of nowhere. This was very much like Wayne's world or, or a better example would be UHF weird Al's classic film UHF, where the idea of a small town TV station in the middle of nowhere is a very romantic notion to me. I love that concept. And that's what the studio was in Chino, California. And I was doing, I was doing my own late night monster movie show, schlock theater. And I was doing my own variety show aptly titled the Josh Thompson show. And, um, and I was also doing a show where I played this preacher character, the Reverend Apostle BG. And it was the holiness half hour of power. And I would just take phone calls in the middle of the afternoon on Saturdays and say the, you know, say the worst shit to people and and misquote (laughs) the Bible. And I'd had a cigarette and a bald skull cap and people would call in and get really worked up. And it was really fun. And I love doing that show. And I still love doing that character. And, um, one of the people watching was a writer, uh, Joe Strazulo, one of the writers from the late, late show. And, um, I think at that time I'd also been doing or started doing the Howard Stern show, uh, calling in as Arnold Schwarzenegger and doing all those calls, those famous phone calls, uh, with George Takei. So there was that stuff had sort of been happening, but, um, I was just sort of dicking around at this public access studio and working for the cable company. And then I got this phone call and, uh, anyway, Joe was like, Hey, do you want to maybe do a sketch voice only as Arnold Schwarzenegger? And I said, sure. So this would have been, mm, I would think February of, um, 2007. So that's when I, that's when I started, uh, doing the late, late show. So actually okay, so not, I was on not the quite show. 10 years. Not quite 10 years. Right. But, um, but I was on the show, there was no Jeff and I was just a bit player. I just, you know, came on every couple of months and I'd play, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Craig, how are you? And they started putting me on camera and they started putting me in a muscle suit (laughs) and a a two hour makeup job with these appliances they put on to kind of make me look like Arnold. And, 
um, had a cigar. And then suddenly I was sitting at a desk in front of a green screen. And now Arnold's, you know, at that point was the governor of California. And so Craig would check in, you know, let's see what the governor of California has to say. Hey, governor, how how are you? So we did a bunch of those sketches. And sometimes I'd come on and do a sketch with him where he, Craig would play Larry King and I would play Arnold. And then I started coming on as Robert De Niro. Then I would do the voice of Morgan Freeman. And suddenly I think it was like after a couple of years, yeah, I think people started, especially Craig, we started to build a rapport as, as performers, as like-minded, you know, comedians mm-hmm. or performers. And so I think that's what helped sort of solidify my place as Jeff Peterson. But, Jeff didn't come around until 2010. And again, I was not contracted with the show at that time. I just came in every now and again and did these sketches. I didn't know when it was going to happen again. I didn't even know if I would ever be asked back to the show. Maybe it was something that they got bored with and they moved on and did other things. Because at that time, Craig was doing a lot of sketches. They were doing a lot of on-camera sketches. And uh, then one day he made a joke about a robot skeleton army and thought it would be funny if like other talk shows, he had a sidekick except the sidekick was a robot and he could program it to say all of the ass kissing things that sidekicks <laughs> would say. And so um, the late Grant Imahara from Mythbusters, who was a roboticist and you know inventor and lovely guy, he built Jeff Peterson. I think it was a bet that they had like, if you give me, a, if I think Grant was like, Craig, if you get me a certain number of followers, I will build that robot for you. And that's what happened. So my whole career is based on a bet. Thanks. No, but um, <laughs> so he built Jeff and he built him beautifully. And Craig did the voice for the first couple of weeks, all pre-recorded. And it sounded like this. You're the man, Craig. Ha, ha, ha. Good one. And that was it. And Craig had a little box with some buttons on it. Each button had a phrase labeled on it. And he would just press it underneath the, the desk and it would make Jeff move. And, and that was it, you know, and I, I didn't know anything about it. I wasn't a part of it until the day that Craig said, Hey man, you want to try giving this, giving the voice a shot, man, just think about it over the weekend. See if you come up with anything. And I was like, okay. And the, the writer at that time, Tom Straw, who is a fantastic novelist, by the way, he's gone on to write a bunch of amazing uh, crime novels. Tom Straw was the writer, one of the writers of The Late Late Show. And he said to me, I'm thinking it's more of like uh, uh, George Takei, you know, so we want it to be like that. Oh, my. And I remember I was like, well, I don't know, because George Takei is already George Takei. And like he's on the Howard Stern show now. And I have that connection to the Howard Stern show. So I don't, I think we could do something different, but Tom was adamant that it would sound like George Takei. So that is how it started. So Tom would write all those phrases. I would go in every couple of weeks and just record a batch of phrases like balls and in your pants and sex party. Sex party was one that was one of my favorites, but nobody ever quotes (laughs) that one. And, um, and then they would just, they would take all those phrases And each phrase would then be associated with a pre-programmed series of movements. And Tom Straw would stand behind the audience wall and with an iPad, now it was an iPad, he would just press a corresponding button that had a phrase on it and a movement. And And that's, so I wasn't there for the first year of Jeff, but my voice was there. And so that's, that's how that happened, you know? So I'm saying all of this, I'm telling you this whole story just because it wasn't like an overnight thing. 
there wasn't yeah. a casting call. It, I was there for quite a while doing stuff on that show. And um, again, nobody thought that Jeff Peterson would last. Craig, like many performers, would get bored very quickly of any new thing. Sketches, a sound machine, got bored with it. So I just assumed, well, that that was fun. Until he asked me to do the voice. And then a year after that, we were in Vegas shooting a sketch, which was a parody of The Hangover. And it was Jeff Peterson and Craig wake up. Uh, Jeff is wearing, uh, you know, he's he's got a veil on like he's he's a he's a bride. He's dressed like a bride. And Craig is, you know, go, well, what, what happened, man? What, what did we do last night? And so we recount what we did that night. And it's all these adventures that we go on. And during that sketch was the first time I was I was able to puppeteer or operate Jeff with the remote control unit. And that's when I started improvising. Craig sitting in a 57 Chevy a cherry red 57 Chevy, which was on a camera truck. And we were driving, we were driving down Las Vegas Boulevard. I'm lying down in the back seat of this 57 Chevy lying in such a way. So you can't see me. I have to be hidden. And I have this remote and an earpiece with little microphone. So I'm improvising as Jeff. Jeff looks like he's driving the car. And then sitting on top of me was this guy named Brad Lace, who was a little person. He's dressed like a leprechaun. So I got a guy sitting on top of me. <laughs> I'm covered with, and I'm like, this is going to be the future of my career. And um, during, in between takes, I just started busting Craig's balls. I just started like fucking with him as Jeff. So I would, I would make Jeff's head turn and look at Craig and say, oh, oh, the big actor. Oh, the big late night talk show host wants to go home. Who do you need a nap? Ooh, you need a nap. You can sleep on your money. And, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, the crew was like, holy shit. What is he? What is he doing? What is, why is he? Oh my God. He's going to fucking, he's going to get killed. And Craig, of course, starts laughing. and He's crying, laughing. You know, he's like, oh, that's great, man. That's great. So he says, I had been trying to do it live in the studio for a year. I had been trying for a year to convince the producers, hey, why don't we try it out once in a while? Why don't I come in sometime? Mm -hmm. Give Tom a straw a break and let me operate, Jeff. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's sweet. You know, we have, it's, we have it controlled right now. You come in, you say the lines we write, and then we'll just keep it like that. You know, and I get it because it's like, it's Craig's show. We don't, we don't know what you're capable of or what you might fuck up if you go off script. They, they didn't know. They're just, you're just a guy that comes in, you put the makeup on, you play Arnold, you play De Niro, you read the script, you go home. You're funny, but we don't know about that, you know? And sure enough, when we went to Vegas, that's the first thing Craig said to me after I made it. He's like, you know what we should do? We should have you come in and do it live, man. And I was like, oh, what's a great idea, Craig? Wow, I wish I'd have thought of it. I did a year <laughs> ago. And um, so that's how that's so that is the law, that is how it started. And once I went in the studio and did it live, and you can see the moment, I think it's when we did the I've got a place there sketch. It's one of the okay. I was going to bring that up. Was that yeah. so that was one of the first times you were ever live in studio doing that? Yeah. Yeah, because we would we would do it every Thursday. It was like every Friday Jeff is live. So at that point we were only doing it once a week just to see. The producers mm -hmm. were like, "We do we still don't know. We don't know who you are really," which I completely understand giving some other guy airtime, you know, with the co-host with the, with the with the host, you know, that's a that's a gamble. And um, 
but to Craig's credit, you know, he let me kind of riff. The only thing he ever said to me before we did any of this was, so let's just, you know, we'll take it slow and just wait until I talk to you, you know, because, you know, maybe who knows? He, he didn't know who he was working with, really. I mean, we did sketches, but I might have interrupted. I might have like started talking over him during the monologue, you know, or or in the middle of an interview, which I only did one time once and never again. Craig shot me a look. Well, he shot Jeff a look that basically <laughs> said, don't ever do that again. And I was like, OK, got it. It wasn't like a huge deal, but I just was like noted no problem mm-hmm. and um and that was it man that's how and i think that so i think the third or fourth big moment was or the solidifying moment was the i've got a place there sketch i think that was the moment right after that sketch i think craig walked by my dressing room and he was like out fucking standing man that's it we're gonna <laughs> fucking do this every fucking night i think what that did was actually make the transition then from jeff just being there all the time so mm-hmm. then it was like, oh, fuck it. We're going to have Jeff here all the time. And then after that, we could never go back. The show, like Jeff and Craig, as that dynamic was inseparable. You could never see the show again any other yeah. way, you know, so. Yeah, I was I was very late, no pun intended, to the to the Late Late Show. Um, yeah. You know, I, I didn't discover it until maybe maybe three or four years before it, it finally, before Craig left and, and Corden took over. And I was really disappointed because the moment I discovered it, I was in, like I was either yeah. watching it live every night or I was TiVoing it at the time to watch it the next day. And I right. remember seeing that, Oh, I've got a place there sketch when that aired mm-hmm. and like being, and I still, I still go back and rewatch that whole thing on YouTube every once in a while, because it's still funny now. Yeah, it's, Just it's, way- uh, it's all unplanned. You know, there's no, that's the other thing you should know is we didn't script, the sketches were scripted, you know, when I was on camera, but we didn't, we didn't plan anything out. I mean, there was the monologue, but we regularly ignored that or Craig regularly ignored the monologue to turn to Jeff and say, what do you think about that, Jeff? Or what, what were you doing this weekend, man? You know, and at first it was like, oh shit, I got to like, come up with something and Mm -hmm. um after a while it just became second nature it's just like two two buddies hanging out one of them just happened to be you know a robot skeleton so uh (laughs) yeah yeah and i know like you know i I, we mentioned like obviously and very obviously from this conversation you know you're a comedian and i remember going to see craig live i think this was two 2012 in easton pa he played at state Mm -hmm. theater yeah and I, you know, I remember being there with with a friend of mine and a couple other people that we knew, and you came out to open yeah. for him, <laughs> and I was so excited by that because, like, this is the world of the late late show, but now, like, in the building with me, yeah, and, like, I don't remember. I mean, this was going on ten plus years ago, so I don't remember any of the material that you had. But I, I remember people asking me like a couple of days afterwards, "Oh, was how was the show?" I was like, "Oh, Craig was great." But you know, the guy that does the voice of Jeff, he opened for him, and he was fantastic. <laughs> and so I've yeah, seen you cool. do stand up before, and and it was great. That was a nice. That was fun, man. We, uh, I, so he and I toured together for a couple years, maybe two and a half years or so. And uh, I mean, I hadn't really done much stand up. Uh, up to that point, I had a lot of experience doing public access TV and I didn't really train in improv. I just sort of learned it myself, you know, uh, and then doing the late, late show was kind of this 
other training ground where it was just like, get in there and do it. And of course I'd done all those characters before we got to Jeff on the late, late show. So Craig asked me, you know, sitting in his office one day and he's like, Hey man, do you, you do stand up, right? And I was like, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so do you, would you, you want to go on the road with us, man? Yeah. And it's like our fifth stop on that tour was uh radio city music hall. Oh boy. So that's like <laughs> 6,000 plus people. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a, I don't, I love being in front of a, an audience, but um, that was wild, man. I mean, even my mom, some of my relatives flew out for that show. And uh, that was an amazing night that because, because that crowd, like you said, was, it was like they were seeing the late, late show live. You know, mm -hmm. I always felt that we could have, I always felt CBS, CBS dropped the ball in any every possible way with the marketing of that show and you know there were so many you know merchandising opportunities and blah 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 but i feel like a road show with the late late show and like jeff and the whore i mean at one point we did have the guys come and uh joseph and ryan uh they they were secretary at the horse and so we had secretariat show up at some of these big shows especially i think we did town hall in new york and uh that was that was amazing. That was like three, three shows we did there. But so I like that. I always wish we had done something like that, but I think people felt that energy, you know, yeah. when we were together. And then we would do Q and a afterwards sometimes with the audience. The, sh the show was such a different entity and it's, it's one of the reasons why it's, I think it's still missed today. I mean, there's a number yeah. of people that I'll say like every once in a while, I'll just post on Facebook, like, man, I missed the late, late show. Yeah. And I, so many people are like, yeah, I do too. And another person who I think I mentioned this in our email correspondence back and forth, um, Dana DiLorenzo has yeah. been on this podcast three times already Wow, and she's a riot. And her and I have talked about her time as Beth, you know, the, the CBS exec and like it became such a it became so much more than just a late night talk show it became kind of like a variety act and just yeah. all these these different things that made it its own thing and once it was gone nothing has really filled that hole since it left yeah it's nice of you to say and a lot of people share that sentiment and, and I've even heard from people that you know like during the at the height of the lockdowns and the pandemic and all that uh, people started finding the late late show on youtube people that had never heard of the show you know people from mm -hmm. around the world started finding the show and so even now there are there are you know new people always finding it and uh messaging me and you know and, I, and i've come to see how important it was to people i mean the late late show like anything that people gravitate toward that brings them comfort it, it got them through dark periods in their life and and it means a lot to them i still have people that email me and message me and comment and I, and it means a lot it's like wow if 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 you're even able to you know be a part of something like that or be a part of creating a character that people remember that's it i mean that's really the that's the goal yeah you know it's, it's really incredible yeah. man um kind of uh, changing gears again um you you know we talked about how we, you know I I got in contact with you through a Facebook Live. You just did a recent Facebook Live the other day, and you brought something up that I kind of wanted to bring up, not because mm. of any kind of like disagreement or to make anything different. It's just something that you said that I kind of want to ask you about, and that is mm. you you kind of made mention that I don't want to use the word hate because you didn't use it, but you you're kind of there's a stigma to when people call you an impressionist. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, which, I mean, you're very good, obviously, at impressions. You've done a number of them, and this is the first time I've ever heard your Craig Ferguson impression, which is fantastic. Yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> but maybe, I mean, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Because even when I did the intro, I had, when we had initially planned on this, I was going to intro as you, intro you as an impressionist, and then you said that on a Facebook Live. I'm like, well, scratch that. That's not going to Yeah, be yeah. Well, it's uh, no, it's fine. I mean, I don't, I think... Um, I get it. I mean, that's if if you have been familiar with my work up until this point, that makes sense that you would go, oh, that's the guy that does the voices. But I did. I I know that I do a lot of other things. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the the fan base or the followers don't necessarily know that there are people that do. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, you're a band that has a favorite song and everybody only wants you to play that song. And yeah. And I. But I've come to understand that, and everybody has to figure this out for themselves, right? So I finally figured out like, oh no, it's it's a good thing. It's a compliment. It means that people love you and love what you do. And that one thing that you did, as we were speaking about moments ago, brings them comfort. It's a, it's a joyful memory. Like the Late Late Show and Jeff Peterson is a good memory for people. I have good memories of being on that show there were also a lot of things that I experienced on that show that weren't, weren't so fun. Mm -hmm. And so of course I have a different perspective because I was the guy behind the wall playing that character. Right. So, but when it comes to impressions, like there are so many other people who are so good at impression, like that is their life. I guess what I'm saying is not my life. One day I woke up and I went, okay, so this isn't my life. Like I don't, I don't want to have a Vegas show where it's like Josh Robert Thompson, man of a million voices. Like I, I I'm mm. never going to do that because I don't want, if I did, I would have done it by now. I mean, honestly, if I, if I really wanted to do these things, I, it, it would be happening already. That's what people go. How come you're not uh, go? Well, it's because I don't want to. It's, it's not that I'm not good at it. I think I like, I love doing family guy. I love being on, you know, inside job. I love doing shows for Disney and Netflix. All the relationships I have with those people are wonderful. And like family guy is one of my favorite shows. I've been doing that for my 13th season now. Um, because they're always just like, Hey, do you want to do Tom Selleck? Sure. It's a funny bit. They let you, you're kind of free to create what you want. They know I can do it. I love that. I love that. Kelly Clarkson show, another show that I enjoy doing <laughs> just did it yesterday. And I play the voice of God and Kelly Clarkson, um, you know, of course, famously the first winner of American Idol is a great talk show host. They just got renewed for two more seasons. It's on NBC. It's a daytime show. I've been doing the voice of God, who sounds a lot like Morgan Freeman during these game show segments. And yesterday we had Octavia Spencer, Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds as the contestants during the game. You know, so there I am hidden away doing the voice of God. Hello, everybody. And hosting from high above this game show. And then afterward, there I am talking to those three. Uh, you know, there's, there's, you know, Octavia Spencer, one of the great actresses of our time, telling me how amazing that voice was. And, and Ryan Reynolds saying, man, that voice is good. And so here's, here's my point. Part of me is like, this is so great that they're saying that. But the other part of me wants to go, yeah, yeah, but. But right, but I'm also, but I also do these other <laughs> things. If I could just talk to you for a few more minutes before you get whisked away to do your makeup touch-ups, if I could just, but it's okay because it's a way in. So now like mm -hmm. they know, like Ryan Reynolds, who knows? He might find out 
who my, you know, agencies are, my agents or my managers are. And he might say, Hey, let's use that Morgan Freeman guy for one of my mint mobile commercials or something. Ryan, if you're listening or watching, I'm right here. <laughs> well, that's great because then that leads to something else. Then it leads to something else. My only point was I'm not just an impressionist. I, I think mm -hmm. I'm a reluctant impressionist. I'm a guy, I'm an actor and a writer and a filmmaker who happens to also do impressions or yeah. I'm a host as well. That's the thing. Like spending all that time behind the wall was great because I learned what to do on a talk show, what not to do on a talk show. I watched it all unfold, but in my heart of hearts, I wanted to be out from behind the wall. I didn't want to stay back there anymore. I wanted to come out, you know, and be out there. It was like, yeah, but if I could just, you know, but I totally get it. The premise of the show was the robot is a pre-programmed sidekick. And I think it would have been difficult for the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. It is Craig Ferguson's show to have to share camera time with somebody else. I think it made mm -hmm. it easier that it was like this inanimate sort of object, you know. So anyway, yeah. so that's all I meant. I just meant like when I'm really honest about what it is I want to do, impressions is not in the top five, you know, but, it's I, okay but I enjoy to, it. it. It's kind of okay. Like you mentioned, it's okay to open the, use it to open the door. But yeah. once you're in the room, you don't want that to be the only topic of conversation. Yeah. Because, and I love, I look, I love impressions. I respect impressionists, but it, there is a stigma about it, at least to me, mm -hmm. to a lot of people that I know in the business, it's like, Oh, he's an impressionist. Oh, that's nice. You, the irony is you spend your whole life being other people, but you never get to be yourself, mm -hmm. you know? And I think the turning point for me was I went on a, a podcast called the Honeydew with uh, Ryan Sickler. Ryan Sickler is a great comic and a friend. And that interview a couple of years ago now, but that interview was like so funny and emotional and painful. And it was, it was everything. And, uh, it, it's exactly who I am. It was like being a storyteller, peppering invoices, but not having that be the main thing, you know? And that's why as mm -hmm. a standup, I was all, whenever I'd get really nervous in standup, default is Morgan Freeman. And the, the only problem with my standup was I would start out with Morgan Freeman. And the problem with that is I would start out strong with this navigation bit. You know, it's a very, you know, Kind of a silly, hacky bit, but it's a funny bit. You know, Morgan Freeman GPS. What if Morgan Freeman was a GPS? You know, it's very funny. But then after that, the audience was like, oh, well, you're not doing the Morgan voices Freeman. anymore. Like, like what's the, uh, yeah. Because, you, you know, you should end with that. So I think it's just about be, being, becoming comfortable with who you are. It's just stuff you learn over the years as a performer. You know, you just become more confident. Yeah. You know. And I, and I didn't, by bringing that up, I didn't want it to seem like I was making you seem like you, you're against impressionists. Not at all. Like no, that. no. I just kind not of, at all. I, I was just very interested to hear your stance on that. And no, I, I love talking an, about it. And I kind of did have an idea. That's probably what you meant by that. Yeah, of course. That you didn't want to get pigeonholed into that being the only thing that you can do. Or right. you didn't want to become typecast as just an impressionist because right. people start thinking that's all you can do. Um, yeah. Because, I, you know, I've mentioned, I've seen you do stand up. I've seen you. I, I know going back to the Late Late Show towards the end, Craig would every once in a while, Craig would start the show by bringing like an audience member out and right. doing like a, a improv interview. And I remember towards the end, he brought you out as one yeah. of the people to start the show. And at that point I was so familiar with you as Josh because yeah. I did look you up and because I, I am interested in things like that, that the moment I saw you, I knew who you were before 
Craig mentioned you're the voice before you mentioned. Well, that's you're the voice not, I mean, that's nice to hear. It's nice. You're one of the few that did, you know, and that, mm -hmm. and I think that was what happened after the show ended where, uh, and I've talked about this before, definitely on that honeydew interview, but it's like, it's like, I had this idea that it's like, Oh, well, Oh, I was behind the wall making all this stuff up. I was behind the wall, you know, uh, coming up with the material for this robot and also puppeteering the robot and also doing the voice of this talking rhino and also the voice of the <laughs> band. Right. Like also I'm the voice of the band. Also I'm all the phone calls. Also I'm this, also I'm that. Um, the world must certainly know. I mean, the, the doors are going to open. Hollywood is going to roll out the red carpet. They're going to go well, look at this guy, this one man band. And, and it, it that just didn't, it was like, Oh, what, what the fuck? Holy yeah. shit. Wait a minute. What? And suddenly it felt like, like nobody was there. Everyone was just like, oh, well, is this the end of the show? And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no. And then it was like, nobody knew it was me. I mean, there was one time I remember, like 2017, I went to Craig. Craig had like a Christmas party and Grant Imahara was there. And we all took a picture with Jeff Peterson, which Craig has the main studio uh, version of Jeff. There were two Jeffs. The other one was uh, for when we go on the road and like shoot in Scotland or Paris and I don't know where that one is, but um, but everyone was like, oh, my God, it's Craig. Oh, my God, it's Jeff. Oh, my God, it's Grant. Oh, my God, it's Craig. Oh, my God, it's Jeff. It's Grant. It was like, I don't know, who's that, who's that other guy? And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, no, that's me. And that's, I don't feel like that anymore, but I that was what really for years was like, no, no, I'm the, no, I it's me. I'm the, oh, yeah, we don't. I know people weren't doing that, but it did feel collectively like, yeah, we, we're not, we don't want to. And it, it is it, that thing, you know, it's like, well, we don't want to know. You know, <laughs> I, I get that. It kind of almost feels like when they took the set apart after the show ended, you kind of got disassembled and put away with the set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was weird. But, but again, to, to the point we were talking about, I, so it doesn't define me though. Like mm -hmm. that was a thing I did and I'm very proud of it. Like it's the most unusual job description ever. Oh, I played a, you know, talking robot skeleton sidekick on a late night talk show. You what now? But I mean, <laughs> yeah. That that is like something that will be treasured by so many people forever. And and that's it, you know. So again, it's that it's kind of the Leonard Nimoy Spock thing, but not really. People have compared it to that. And I'm like, well, no, but Leonard Nimoy was on camera and everybody knew that Leonard Nimoy was playing Spock. There, mm -hmm. there is a difference there. It would be like if Leonard Nimoy, if Spock was a puppet and nobody knew who Leonard Nimoy was, you know. So anyway, again, this is years ago, and I only bring it up to say that I've, you know, made my peace with it. And you can have both. You can be like, yeah, I've, I've do all these impressions. I was Jeff Peterson, but I also do these other things. You know, it's just, people don't know it yet. And that's okay. I'm just going to keep working on it. Cause I love it. I love doing this other stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I Josh, honestly, like I could, I, I could sit and like, I'm definitely going to have you back on because I mean, there's so much cool. more that we can talk about. And I know we, I try and try and keep these things like a time limit. I know we're probably about an hour now, but I can't, Hopefully you still have a couple more minutes because yeah, of course one one or Let's two more things. Yeah. I I, I want to bring up Upgrade Soul. Yeah, because oh, you yeah. know we're, we're talking about all your past projects. You know, with you know Jeff Peterson and Family Guy and everything. But Upgrade Soul is the podcast series that's coming out on Audible. Right, that, like that's the next thing on the horizon for you. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> I didn't realize that was coming out. Is that now? Have you read the uh, the graphic novel? I have not. Um, but I, I, I did look into the, the podcast itself. I mean, and in yeah. addition to yourself, I mean, David Dustmalchin, Wendell Price, Phil Lamar, who is another yeah. highly respected voice actor. Um, 
He's uh, great, you know, yeah. Marsha Gay Harden. There's there's some heavy hitters in this podcast. Yeah, well, I've done a series uh, for Audible. Um, I've done a bunch of these now uh, f- through a company called Tree Fort, Tree Fort Media, and they're they they're cranking these out, and they're amazing. We just we did a Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Ooh, you have my attention on that one, Sherlock Holmes mystery, um, which flips the story around, and uh, Moriarty is actually the hero of that story, or so it would seem. They're actually, you know, Sherlock is the villain, and his nemesis is actually the good guy. And that one uh, has Phil Lamar and uh, Dominic Monaghan is in that. Phil Lamar plays Sherlock, and uh, I play Lestrade. And uh, a number of other characters in that. And that, that's that been really, really fun for me. I've done uh, one on um, the Cotton Club Murders, or the Cotton Club Murder, which was uh, the, the film that Francis Ford Coppola made. It's the whole story of that. Christian, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, can't think right now. Anyway, <laughs> Christian Slater. Christian Slater okay. is in that. I'm in that. I play Francis Ford Coppola. And then I did another one called Fish Priests. Fish Priests, yep. Stars Ethan Hawke. And uh, again, they call on me as as one of their kind of guys that can come in and do a, a bunch of voices, you know. So I have a great time doing that stuff. So those are those are some of the things that people may not know about. I can actually plug this in before I die. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep talking. Just vamp. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Upgrade Soul is one that I'm looking forward to. And I, I'm really interested. I didn't know about the Sherlock Holmes one. And I love Sherlock Holmes. Like Sherlock Holmes and King Arthur are like two of my favorite like stories oh, or cool. worlds to, to re-enter. So I'm going to have to get the the information on that Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes is called... It's called the Devil uh, Devil's Game. I think it's the Devil's Game or okay. Devil's Game. But uh, yeah, re- that, they went they went with that to uh, Comic Con. They had a big panel and there were billboards everywhere. And uh, I, I guess it's I I haven't heard it yet. I just record these things. Um, in fact, I just did an audio book, which uh, will be out December sixth. Uh, if it's past December sixth, hey, it's available now. And it's uh, the story of <laughs> Chuck Chuck Yeager. Uh, Chuck Yeager, World War II fighter pilot by author Don Keith. And so I narrate that audiobook. And it's nice because I, I do it all from home. You know, everything I do mm-hmm. now, family guy, everything. I mean, it came out of necessity because of the pandemic. I started out with a PVC pipe frame and, uh, you know, some some moving blankets. And now I have a, a proper booth over here from a company called Whisper Room. And it's fantastic, man. I just go in there patch into whatever studio and just kind of do my thing. So that's kind of been an amazing thing. True. Yeah. It's, it, it's amazing how stuff like that came about. I mean, you'd never know it by looking at my video that I, but I'm literally on the opposite side of my living room. Um, oh, nice. You that's know, great. if, if I were to show you literally behind the curtain, it is my, yeah. my living room. Um, yeah. and you're right. All of that came out of necessity. I have a little voiceover set up over here to my left. Um, you know, that's nothing more than just the the shield around the microphone had because that. that's yeah. all like I can really do. But it works. Uh, yeah, so, and that's but, the thing you don't need. You don't need all this. You don't. You don't really need. I mean, I need this booth because there are certain technical requirements that these shows mm-hmm. have. You know, especially with an audiobook. There's a lot of leaf blowers and dogs and helicopters over here, so you can't. <laughs> yeah. you can't have that, and you don't want to keep stopping down, but. If you're doing other kinds of work and it's short pieces or auditions, and if there's anybody out there that's trying to get into this and they think like, oh, I don't have the, 
I don't have the equipment. I don't have the money. That's all BS now. I mean, you, you can find really good equipment for next to nothing now and have it sound pretty great. So it, yeah. in that sense, we live in a pretty amazing time. But this, I, I love it because voiceover, of course, I enjoy it. I enjoy working with all the people that I've worked with over the years. It's not like I'm, I'm saying F you to all that stuff. To me, it's a way to make the money to afford the time to then do the things that I want to do. And it, you know, mm -hmm. and as my friend Mark Summers said of uh, double dare fame, it sure beats working for a living. So <laughs> there you go. Mark, Mark's another one I've that's been on my radar to have on the podcast eventually too. He would do um, it, man. Mark's a great guy. Mark well, actually good, reached out. Mark reached out to me. Here's another example of how impressions open doorways. Mark reached out to me several months ago if via email and he's like hi i'm mark summers you may know me from double day i'm like yeah no i, I know who you are man you don't I, have to, yeah you know but you know maybe it's a different mark summers and then he said uh he said i just went on vacation with some friends i'd love it if you could narrate this home video that we did as morgan freeman what would your rate be for that and i'm like dude for you mark summers there's no rate and so you know then we then then i'm talking next thing i know i'm on the phone with mark summers and we have like an hour long conversation about, you know, old showbiz and who his mentors were. We're talking about Merv Griffin. We're talking about all these things that I love. And he's like, how old are you again? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like 85 inside in here. I'm like <laughs> yeah. an 85 year old guy. And so, so we became friends. And the next thing I know, he has me on his show that is about to come out and um, as a guest and then start talking about hosting. And I say, look, man, I, I really, I really don't want to be behind the wall anymore. You know? And he's like, well, let me help you out with that. So you see, just so from the Morgan Freeman thing came the, the guest spot and then all these other things. So you just never know. So that's kind of the way I look at it. It's a doorway to yeah. other things, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, you is can't there disparage any... it. You can't disparage it because it is a great, I mean, it is a great trick. I mean, it's not like, it's not like I'm terrible at it, right? It's like, obviously, obviously I know how to do it. But again, I'm a reluctant impressionist. I'm like, I'm like the Hulk of, I'm like, Dr. Banner of impressions. Like he's, he's always angry. I can always do the voice. I just, I just choose not to. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, there's so many things that like, I know, uh, I mean this, and this is one of the reasons why I did want to have you on this podcast is to talk about all this because I like, again, yeah. yes, many people know you as, as Jeff Peterson, the robot and, you know, there's probably a majority of people that don't know the person behind the voice. And as somebody sure. who has known who you are for a while, this is one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was to kind this of, is great. you know, to, to talk about this. Um, Which, by the way, by the way, I think is totally normal. I think it's like people like us, we, you know, and, and this again, this is not to put down anybody else, but it's like people like us, we take more of an interest in these things. Mm -hmm. We're curious about who the people are behind our favorite movies or you know, graphic novels or, or whatever. We want to know more information. Some people don't, you know, they, some people just like the mysteries when it comes to the Muppets, you know, I know all the Muppet performers. I know all their names. I remember knowing all their names when I was a kid, but there weren't a lot of kids that were going to the library to check out books about the making of the Muppet show. I was one of those mm -hmm. kids. So I totally get it. It's like, can most people name who performs Pepe the prawn? Probably not. Like if that guy, Bill Beretta, was like, hey, I'm gonna make my own pilot. It's the Bill Beretta show. People might go, eh, I don't really Who? know. He was Pepe the yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so that's what I was dealing with. I I look at it completely differently now. Thankfully, I'm over the hump. I got past that. It was like, oh, okay, that's just the way it is. But it's totally fine, you know. Like I I get it, 
And, uh, you know, I know what I've done. So, I mean, that's all yeah. that matters. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> you're right. Knows. Like we, and, and, you're, <laughs> and, and you're right. We do look at things a little bit differently because I, yeah. I am a major cinephile and yeah, I do get excited if I see one or two actors that I see are going to be working together that I haven't seen working together before. Like you mentioned right. Ryan Reynolds, Octavia Spencer and Will Ferrell, like that movie spirited that I'm sure that's what yeah. they were promoting just exactly. came out today. And yep. I can't wait to watch it because I love all three of those people and I want to awesome. see them together. And it, even even Ryan Reynolds was talking about how excited he was to finally get to work with Will Ferrell. Mm -hmm. Like Ryan Reynolds is, a, you know, a massive one of the biggest movie stars right now in the world and certainly one of the biggest producers and creative forces. And he's like, man, it's been my lifelong dream to work with Will Ferrell. So it, it, it keeps happening. It never stops this like discovery and doors opening into other things. You just never know, you know. So, yeah, so I've taken a different approach to all of it. Of course, I love all the fans and the followers. I, I think, it, again, you're lucky in this business if you you create one thing like a Jeff Peterson, it, you know, that's, that's amazing to me, but that doesn't mean that that's it. And I think that's kind of sort of people back home in my hometown of Cleveland. I always joke that their catchphrase is, well, Hey, if you do nothing else, you know, at least you did that. And that's like, well, yeah, I mean, but I want to do other things. Right. But if you never do, <laughs> so the thinking yeah. there is like, you probably won't, but that's not, I, I can, you can have both. And I, and I'm so happy. I mean, I, I really in the last couple of years, like so many people have reached out and shared their stories about uh, the late, late show and Jeff. And I know people that like, we want you guys to get back on the air. I, I don't know that that, that would ever happen uh, in the current climate. I couldn't see our show. Well, it's certainly not on network TV. I mean, I'm certainly, it would be something interesting on Netflix or something like that. Um, but I don't think it would be the same. I think there was something about late night on CBS on network TV where you kind of happened upon our show, you know, to get yeah. different. It was, it was, it was kind of like lightning in a bottle corked. And yeah. then now that the cork's been pulled, eh, you probably wouldn't capture that same lightning again if you ever, if you tried. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, if we did, if we hung out and, and, you know, bantered, I mean, I went, he had a radio, he had a serious XM show for a brief moment. And I went on that a bunch of times and we had a lot of laughs, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, but it's nice to be on the other side of it now. It's nice to look at it in a different way. I, I, I never, I never hated Jeff. I never, I was never against any of that. I think it's that thing of like, I want everyone to know me for this other stuff, but now I've sort of, it's like, I, that's all about desperation and ego. I think there's a lot, I see a lot of younger performers too, that like they're constantly putting stuff out there and they're like, Hey guys, check out my, this video and that video. And I just don't do that that much anymore. That's why people think I've either quit or died. You know, they're <laughs> like, are you still around? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm very comfortably, you know, working on stuff. Maybe you'll never hear of it. It's like George Lucas, you know, I'm, I'm working on very small films. They're so small that even I can't see them. You know, they're very <laughs> tiny. I have a very tiny uh, crew. Actually, remember Willow? I used to hire, you know, we talk about talk about equality, talk about representation. I hired a bunch of little people. You know, now I've hired people that are about two inches tall, so I can't even see them. And they're making my films. They're, they've shot three of these films, and I physically can't see them because the screens are like that small. So, but that's what I'm doing. I'm like over here making films. I'm working on this crazy project that is a, uh, a director's cut of, of monster movies I made in uh, junior high, which is like w lately one of the most creatively satisfying things ever. 
I'm getting my whole library of, of public access tapes uh, and movies I made in high school. I'm getting them all into, you know, hard drives finally and like restoring those for friends. I'm into trying that. To make, you know what I mean? So that, so that, so, so as I go further that way, um, you know, I start to meet people in that world. I, like I'm, there's an event tonight for Severin films, the company I mentioned earlier that puts out great uh, horror movies and cult films. And I'm going to go there and talk to them about helping distribute uh, a film. I, I won't say the title yet, but there was a certain filmmaker, a guy who came by my house to see my Halloween display. And this guy walked up and he said, oh, are you are you Josh? I said, yeah. And, uh, and I, I kept looking at the guy and I was like, this guy looks really familiar. And he's like, yeah, I saw on the next door app. That's like a neighborhood app. And somebody Somebody promoted the Halloween display. He said, I saw on the neighborhood app, your Halloween display. I thought I'd come by and check it out. Well, anyway, the guy was wearing this t-shirt that had this logo on it. And the logo was from a movie that I loved growing up. I don't want to say the title yet because we're trying to figure out how to get this thing, you know, distributed mm -hmm. or, or whatever may happen. But I was like, wait a minute, are you so-and-so? And he's like, well, yes, I am. And I'm like, oh my God. I, like this guy to me is like, a cult hero. This guy's like one of the greats, like one, certainly one of the great like stop motion animators of all time. Uh, okay. And I, so I, I went in, I went into my uh, office here and I grabbed the VHS copy of this movie and he autographed, autographed and I said, is this movie gotten a proper release? And he said, well, no. And he, so he told me the whole story. And so anyway, I contacted these guys and they go, guys, I just met so-and-so at my house. We got to figure out how to, so I'm going to go there tonight. But my point is, I didn't know that I would ever meet that guy. And because I met him now it's led to these conversations about possibly finding, you know, the, what the only remaining prints of this film, restoring them and giving the guy the credit that he's due. And then I thought, no, this is great. Cause this is what I've wanted. I want to be a producer. I want to be someone who makes these kind of films. I want to be someone who's facilitating it. Cause as you, I mean, you can see behind me, I love it so much. I have such a passion for it. And so that's exciting to me, man. It's exciting to do that and to make my, my first film, you know, hopefully next year, you know, shoot, shoot my first film that I would direct. And, uh, that stuff's exciting to me, but I can also maybe do voices on set, maybe narrate, uh, well, Josh began to direct the crew as Morgan Freeman. It took us six years to make the movie because I talk so damn slow. <laughs> It feels good. It does feel good to do that voice. Do you know what I would really love to see you do? And like just hearing your passion for horror and knowing that you yeah. want to kind of come out and host and things like that. I would love to see you do something along the lines of like a Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah. Kind of series where like you are the one introducing the horror movie and giving the little tidbits about it and well, that's then the next... playing the movie. That's that might that's that is one of the things that's on the docket. Um I made a I think TV you'd be so pilot. great at that. I, I I think so because having hosted my own horror show, you know, years ago, those tapes are great. And maybe I'll release some edited versions of that from, from the 90s. Schlock Theater. I was this guy, Lou Schlock, and I had a cable controlled puppet on my shoulder. This is, you know, before the late late show, I was my own sidekick. I was I was puppeteering my own sidekick and I was mm -hmm. the host. And um, so I love that stuff. And then I did my TV pilot a couple years ago, which is like a mix of like uh, Mr. Rogers and the Dean Martin show in outer space. And uh, we weren't able to sell it, but that did open doors to other things. It opened a door to an SNL audition. It opened a door to a meeting with 
some other folks, you know, which was amazing. And um, but I always loved the characters in that show, like Gary the Ogre. And there was a couple other characters in there. So I thought, what if we take these guys and put them in like a kind of a horror movie show? But it would be me talking to myself as all these characters. So that that's one of the things that I've definitely, you know, started working on or am in the middle of working on. And the other thing is the return of uh, uh, Reverend Apostle B.G., who's no longer a reverend. He's he's a philosopher, an explorer, and a prophet. And uh, he's more of a snake oil salesman mm-hmm. type character. And so people have really, people really love that. The people that love that character. Look, if you have 20 people that really love what you're doing, those are like really cool people that get it. And, and that's all you should be worried about. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't want to be famous. I don't care. I don't need 50 billion fans. I used to be, that was like, where are the numbers? Uh, my numbers are low. It's all bullshit. I, you know, if you have like a dedicated following of people and if you really do this stuff genuinely because you want to, and because it is your passion and because it's exciting for you, man, people will find you, you know, they will. And they will. and that's the, that's the attitude I take towards podcasting as well. Yeah. Is that like, I, I, I take the same attitude for this as, as I would if it's five people listening or 5,000 people listening. Right. Like, I mean, I've been lucky enough that I do have a nice following and I do have, a, a, you know, a good amount of listeners, but yeah. I, like you, I don't do this to become like a world famous podcaster or anything like that. If I did, ah. the only reason I would enjoy it is for advertisers to help me pay my bills, like not get rich, but just well, pay my bills. that, you know, that's pretty much it. Well, that's, that's the goal. The goal for me is to get to a point where I have enough like F you money where I could finally go live and do the material the way I want to do it. Not, mm-hmm. not to be offensive on purpose. That's not what I'm talking about, but just to feel free uh, as a performer and, and not feel like, you know, someone's going to get offended and I'm going to lose my job because that's mm-hmm. kind of what, what it was for the last couple of years. And again, this is not about being able to say certain words or being offensive on purpose. That is not what we're talking about here. It's just to have that artistic freedom. And if somebody gets upset about something, they can just go be upset and so at, I'm, I'm going to get to that point where then I can do my own shows like on my website and not be beholden to other platforms like Facebook or, or Twitter. I don't know. Twitter mm-hmm. still around. I don't know. Everyone seems to think it's going to go away. By the time whatever. this posts, it probably won't be. I'm, and this will probably post good. tomorrow. Well, so. I always <laughs> joke. I always joke. Twitter never mattered to my followers because half of my fan base still uses flip phones and the other half has uh, passed away. I'm kidding. You guys are great. Come on, man. Well, the half that passed away don't know. So that's true. That's, anyway, that's no. true. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Josh, where can people find you online? Well, not on Twitter. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm not there either. Know. So it doesn't matter. I really love Instagram. Uh, Instagram for me, just for artists and creatively, it's just very laid back. You can find me on Instagram instagram jrt show or if you still use websites which i think those are still around you can just go to my website which is the jrt show t-h-e-j-r-t show.com and then all my socials are, are right there and uh yeah man and i and check out my youtube channel as well there's some you know you could watch the pilot now i call it a comedy special very proud of that but there's other stuff that you may have missed Um, and I only get frustrated for the fans because they miss out on this stuff just because they can't Mm -hmm. see it. You know, the algorithms on these sites, they make it like, especially Facebook. They, I, I post so many things and everyone's like, where you been? I haven't seen a post from you in 20 years. And I'm like, well, I just posted yesterday. So 
there's a lot of podcast appearances that I've done that I'm really proud of. Uh, this, of course, being the number one uh, podcast. You, it's, it, look, you mentioned that other one, and I know that's your number one. It's okay. I'm I'm no. Happy this is great. Number two. Well, that was number. I say that was number one because that was the one that I think where I was finally just myself. That yeah. was like an amazing thing without being. Yeah, it, like angry. it broke the cycle. It broke the cycle, and uh, and ironically, you know, not a lot of people saw that one. I think it was that it was like, guys, check it out, an interview with me as myself, not as Jeff Peterson, and Craig isn't there, and people go, eh, I don't know. no, that's <laughs> not true, that's not true. But um, but it's all good. I mean, I, so I would say also check out uh, Inside Job. There's a great show on Netflix uh, from the creators of Gravity Falls. I do a bunch of voices on that show. Really cool show, man, about the about the people who run the shadow government. And uh, part two of season one just just debuted today on Netflix. So check it out. And all the Audible stuff. There's a lot. Just Google it. You guys will be fine. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I liked seeing you pop up. I know the show didn't last very long, but I liked seeing you pop up on, uh, what was it, Angel from Hell? Oh, yeah. With, uh, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> with Jane Lynch. That was wild. Angel from Hell was a CBS show, ironically. And uh, it, it came out like a... I think about a year after the late late show ended so that was that was kind of amazing because i was on there i was doing morgan freeman i was like an improv performer who followed one of those people around i don't remember who on the show but uh narrating their life as morgan mm -hmm. freeman so man i was i was sweating bullets when i did that because you know now you can be careful what you ask for folks because i'm like i want to be on camera i want to be on like sitcoms and movies and there i am on set and it's like, wow, this is a whole different experience, man. You got to, you know, stay on your mark and, uh, you know, you know, like a camera, okay, we're going to roll. All right, ready. And then like they ring a bell. Everybody has to keep quiet. And I'm like, wait, do I look this way or what do I, but it all worked out, man. And then the show got canceled. So in fact, yeah. it was funny. It was actually really funny. Cause I don't think my episode didn't air. I think eventually it did, but I think it was like episode five or something. And then the show got canceled. Like, just before my episode <laughs> yeah so but it became a running gag like that was my bit for a while that was like and i didn't want to you know my like my on my bio it says posthumous award winner posthumous award now, winner right which, which i think is funny laugh. yeah it's funny now but i think when i wrote it at the time i was like yeah nobody's gonna recognize me till i'm dead anyway it doesn't even matter I'm not that guy anymore but you know it is a very funny line because it's just like wink wink you know, yeah, because it's all bullshit. It, it actually Twitter's bullshit too. I mean, if Twitter goes away, I know people are like really people are like really upset. They're having eulogies. They're they're tweeting to each other, going, "Well, I just want to let you guys know I'm going to remember you, and I made so many good friends." And I'm like, man, I had a lot of people give me bullshit on Twitter, and some of you guys are cool, but you know what? I'm not going to lose sleep sleep at night if it's gone. I don't. It's know. toxic. It's be so right. toxic. And one hand, it's good because look, I I, I did raise the money to finish my pilot because of Twitter and other platforms, right? I was able to have that campaign and everyone came through. That was the positive thing I think that happened. But outside of that, I don't really need strangers assessing my work all day long or saying things. It could take just, used to be like just one comment. Someone would be like, yeah, you know, I liked you better when you were behind the wall. Or whatever it was, it would just, that would just stay with you all day long. Yeah. You'd be like, fuck, I shouldn't have looked at my Twitter, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it is good. I mean, it, it, it's been good for a lot of people. I get it. But the eulogizing, I mean, maybe save that for, I don't know, your cat or, you know, maybe uh, a human being. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
exactly. <laughs> um, Josh, this has been absolutely great. I I've loved having you on. I'm so glad I finally had the opportunity to to have this conversation with you. And yeah, me too, man. My final question: Will you come back? I will come back. Yeah, I, I want. I I was trying to keep it positive, so hopefully, hopefully, it was a positive discussion. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I kept making it clear that I don't. I don't feel these ways anymore. It's all love. I mean, I love yeah. all this stuff, but yes, man, I want to come back and talk about movies and do the top five, top six, top 10, yeah, top 12. For sure. I mean, and if nothing else, I have to have you back on to talk about Austrian death machine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> we didn't even get to that topic. Man, there's a lot that happened there with Austrian death machine. <laughs> so many different things. Uh, but Josh, thank you so much for coming on this. You got this it. has been a blast to, to everybody else out there. That's listening or watching the video. Make sure you check out Josh on socials, JRT show on Instagram, the JRT show uh, for his website to get links to his YouTube page and everything else. Uh, of course, this podcast, wilhelmpodcast.com. Um, Wilhelm podcast on Instagram and facebook.com slash Wilhelm podcast. Give me likes if you haven't already. Uh, but one more time, Josh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, Ben. <laughs> <laughs>